0: Educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 128 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Brad Clare and Nick Camels. Bradley Clare is passionate about the intersection between business and technology as a driving force for good. He's the founder of Amplify, which empowers young people in need to gain the skills and confidence necessary to build their own boom boxes from recycled materials. He has a background in business and has worked on projects delivering small business grants to women with HIV in Cambodia. His love for tinkering led him to gain experience in the recycling industry at substation 33 upskilling individuals to create innovative products which solve both social and environmental problems, and has since co-founded PowerWells with Nick Camels. Nick Camels is a town planner and startup co-founder. He's worked as a planner in both the public and private sector, and recently went out on his own with the intent of learning about innovation and startup culture firsthand, which quickly escalated into the large-scale passion project, which is PowerWells. He was a founding member of the Smart Cities Council of Australia and New Zealand Emerging Innovators Network and maintains the role of national coordinator. Nick has also recently made a move into academia to explore the impacts of Smart Cities projects. He describes his life as being at both ends of the development spectrum, being at the forefront of the future of human settlements, while also working with people in remote communities that don't yet have electricity. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Brad and Nick's insights into building successful social enterprises, we'll get Brad and Nick's thoughts and perspective on strong engagement with communities internationally, and we'll hear what Brad and Nick believe can be done to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. So Brad and Nick, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. So to kick things off, tell us about your backgrounds. What led you guys into working into the social enterprise sector?
1: well i'm a town planner and that essentially is just trying to make the future better for the people that are living and working visiting a city and so from that my interest was in what's the future of human settlements which got me into innovation and startup culture which um i then tried to learn sort of firsthand as a town planner like what's going on in startup hubs and those sort of things and then it led to sort of going headfirst into a big passion project ourselves. Yeah.
2: um, So my background is, I actually studied business management at university. Which uni? UQ. Okay. And uh, majored in marketing. So yeah, after I graduated from university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, So I decided to hop on a plane and then I flew over to Cambodia and worked for a non-profit over there providing business loans to women with HIV so they can set up their own business. Mm. And then after doing that, I realized like, how much giving a small amount of money can have like such a big impact in someone's life. Uh, so then coming back, I kind of wanted to make sure that whatever I do, it's all about being in the service of other people and helping other people out because it was just such like an amazing feeling to actually give so much to to people who really need that Mm. help. So then I started Amplify. So Amplify is another social enterprise and it's basically we want to try and teach people how to build portable speakers made from new and recycled electronics. And we've recently just partnered up with Traction, and we're teaching disengaged kids how to build portable speakers, Um, and they're all encased in like ex-military ammunition cases.
0: Brilliant! Yeah,
2: (laughs) they're really really cool.
0: Sounds like a great project. Yeah, got a a school I can link you up with.
2: That'll be awesome. (laughs) And then through I guess through Amplify, I started. I met Tony, um, and then I started actually kind of running the battery recycling process at Substation 33 um, because I needed I need a lot of batteries for my speakers. Um, and then after doing that, Tony kind of got me on board to help him work with uh, the road flooded signs. Yep. So I was in charge of the battery manufacturing there. And then having that, that, that knowledge uh, kind of helped us to start Power Girls as well. Mm. So how did you boys meet? Yeah, I guess we actually Probably. met one year ago as of last week. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so we met... Brad forgot our anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually met at the startup weekend in Logan. So yeah, we pitched a a business idea around like how we can use electronic waste to try and help people in developing communities. So whether it was like building 3D printers, whether it was building big batteries or building prosthetics. Um, But then what actually happened was one of the people from our group called Amadis, he was telling us about his stories about how he used to actually live in West Papua. And he was telling us about how he grew up in a village without without having any access to electricity. Mm. Um, so through that, Dick and I and, and Amartis, we kind of devoted our weekend to trying to solve that problem.
1: Wow. We were really a product of our environment, right? So mm. Amartis has shared this story. We're looking around substation 33 that has all this e-waste and all the things that they do with it. Yeah. Um, so really the idea wouldn't have come if we were in any other environment probably. I'm like- mm. Wow, it's a great story, yeah. I mean, having found that at Logan's Startup
0: Weekend, yeah. at substation 33, yeah. of which Tony Sharp runs. So tell us more about Power Wells. This is the project that came out of this weekend. Yeah. What, what is it? What, what does it do? What are your aims?
2: So basically, we're building big batteries made from recycled electronic uh, laptop batteries. So basically what happens is one laptop battery might have one individual cell in it out of six uh, that is dead. And and what we can do is actually take out all the good cells and then use them to build a bigger battery. And then we can use that for people to charge their phones and charge their lights. So that's just that's recharged every day with the solar panel. And with with our system, you can charge about 30 to 40 phones and lights per day. Wow. And where are these products
0: going to? Who are they
2: benefiting? Well, it's kind of like we're working backwards from Christmas after the startup weekend. We realized that we had, it was a week and a half before it was going to lead into December. And then we we wanted to run a crowdfunding campaign in December, but what that meant was we actually had to build a prototype in five days, and then we had to install it into Indonesia (laughs) in a week, in a week and a half, essentially.
1: Wow. Yeah. So it's like on a plane and over to Indonesia. Yeah, with what looks like bomb-making equipment. So... Brad had a bit of a tough time getting there. Yeah, but so I
2: spent about half an hour in customs trying to get through. <laughs> My bag was full of and electronics they were,
1: and like we were trying to convince them that it was a thing, right? And then they were like, that's that's not a problem here. Like, yeah. So you're, you're lying. Yeah.
2: Right?
1: yeah. Everyone here has electricity. Yeah. Which we found to be not true. About 26 million of them don't, so...
2: Well, so the plan was
0: to take these power wells over into Indonesia or other countries.
2: the plan was initially to actually use their electronic waste to build power wells with. Yep. And then those power wells can go into the communities there that don't have power. Um, So that's what we we wanted to try and do initially. So I guess in Jakarta, like the first thing we did was, because we only had five days there, the first thing we did was... um, Met up with Amethyst's friend. Yeah, met up with Amethyst's friend who just happened to be an Indonesian to English translator. So he was the only person that we knew over there. Um, and then basically on the first day, we were trying to find electronic waste to actually build the power wells. Uh, on the second day, I was building a power well in the hotel room. So as I was soldering, I was like blowing out the smoke, blowing the smoke out of the window to prevent the smoke alarms from going off. Um, I think Nick wandered down the street to go find some old paint cans.
1: Which was more difficult than it should have been. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, then, and then on the third day, um, we hired we stupidly hired a car. Uh, to go and drive to to literally drive to wherever we thought there might be a place without electricity. So it was a lot of searching through Google Maps, yeah, trying to find like really isolated villages that didn't have any power lines or anything connected to them.
1: Like that looks remote. Zoom yeah. in on it. Oh wait, that looks like a power line. Like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Then we were like, hey, okay, this area looks like it might have something. Let's get a car and drive.
2: Yeah. So we decided to, well, Nick was the one who braved it. Nick, I was too scared to drive. <laughs> I, I was know. too scared to drive. Yeah. So but. I was like, Nick, you can do this. Um, so yeah, we we drove for about 10 hours outside of the city of Jakarta and we effectively only got hundred Ks because the traffic there is so bad. Wow. So yeah. And I think it was about, it was about 11 PM at night when we actually came across um, like a, an electrician who was fixing a power outage in another village. Um, so we were like, oh, we might as well stop here and ask him if he knew of any places that didn't have any power. And it turns out the village that he grew up in, the village that his parents currently lived in, didn't have any electricity. Wow. So the next day we hopped in the, yeah, the next day we drove out to their village and installed a power.
0: The
1: first power, well, the one first week power. The yeah. first The idea was born.
2: Yep. Yeah, so it was, yeah, a week and a half after the idea was born.
1: Wow. So really. it was walk and like sort of, Take a little scooter, but it was about two hours to get from the car up to the village.
2: Yeah, so we had to yeah walk up the mountain, and the road and the infrastructure were, I mean, the roads that were there were completely destroyed by all the the flooding and stuff. Mm. So I think the government had actually installed roads there to maintain or to actually install. Well, they put roads
1: in to install a big solar farm up there to service this one community. But then we found a, a common sort of thing is that they don't have a maintenance contract, mm. so they last for about two years, fail, no one knows how to fix it, yep. and they effectively go back to worse than they, than they were before it was installed.
2: Yeah. yeah, and officially the government recognizes them as having electricity as well.
1: Wow,
0: pretty dire situation. Yeah. So this story, I mean, having got the product out there so quickly and, and giving you the process to be able to validate or change and then iterate and learn directly from those who are you're trying to benefit, is, is a great example. So what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs to move beyond the talk and into the action? It's
2: hmm. a good question.
0: It's really just
1: go out there and do it, right?
2: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people make the mistake of just planning it out so methodically and it's not until you actually get out into the field and you test it, you break stuff and you see what happens. Then you can just learn so much more. And mm-hmm. like you might realize that the direction that you're going might not be the right direction.
1: Well, it won't be the right direction. Yeah,
2: it's not it's, yeah, it's pretty unlikely yeah. for it to be the right direction. Yeah. It's just the, the fact is you just gotta make a start and just head in any direction. And then once you do that, then you'll start pivoting towards where you need to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Exciting times now. Yeah. So there's Whispers Boys. Yeah. You guys are up to something. Ah, uh, this is a mistake. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't mean to start another business, but it looks like we might have accidentally done that.
0: Couldn't
1: help
2: ourselves. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I've just heard a little bit about this. I'd, I'd love to just be able to blurt it out on yeah. the podcast. But but what can you share? What what can people expect
1: from another business from you guys, another social enterprise? Yeah, we need some permissions first so we can't go into the details. But we've worked out a way to raise some money for some of our mates' mental health charity. So we're creating a card game essentially with a big chunk of the profits going to them.
2: Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like Boulder Dash meets cards against humanity. Excellent. It's fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we actually had one of the one of the girls who was playing with us. Uh, <laughs> we she actually liked Yeah, Ayla. <laughs> She laughed so hard at her joke that she literally had coke squirting out of her nose.
1: (laughs) And that was our validation.
2: So we put a big picture of her up on our slideshow to be like... Put her under the bus. Yeah. (laughs)
1: That's on your pitch deck. That was on our pitch deck.
2: (laughs) So whoever, yeah, whenever we pitch it, she's always up there as a first to validate the idea. Excellent.
0: That's classic. Oh, well, we'll uh, we'll stick a link into the article once the project goes live. So if you're listening, you'll be able to head on through and, and check out what this is. So... Coming back to social enterprise and the sector in general, how have you seen the, the sector transform over the last few years and where do you boys see it heading into the next five odd years? What do you, what do you think is gonna happen?
2: Yeah, I guess um, I've been involved in the social enterprise sector for quite some time now and I, I think I've seen a lot of traction over the last five years and it's just grown so much. Um, so when I started Amplify or even when I was back at university, we weren't really studying anything to do with social enterprise. Um, and the way that I learned about social enterprise was actually participating in um, accelerator programs based around that yeah so amplify went through impact Academy and then I, I just learned so much from that and yeah. then I realized that you know to have a really successful business you actually need to have a social enterprise mm. and I think a lot of um, I think a lot of consumers are like pressuring these companies to be to be more socially and environmentally focused with what they're doing yeah and it's also like these big um, investment firms is I think it's like Black, blackrock yep um, so yeah, they just released. Sorry, think. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he sent an email to all of his companies, um, basically saying that they need to have a social purpose in what they're doing. Um, so just like that, there is a huge, like, pretty powerful coming yeah. from
0: one of the biggest, well, the
1: biggest venture capitalists in the world. Yeah, in my understanding. Mm. Yeah, and part of his um, sort of validation of that was that if you aren't doing this, you're very vulnerable to a lot of lot of sort of economic hits that you can take. So as much as it is about just being socially conscious and environmentally conscious, it's also good business to do. And so having that social license to operate, I believe is really what the future of business is.
2: Mm. And I I guess like in in everything that we're doing, like that's a huge competitive advantage for us as well. Yeah. To have that is huge, like especially because we're recycling electronic waste that sets us apart to so many other different companies. Mm.
1: And I think it's really important to be following big trends, right? So you've got your mega trends and things. You can be looking at your local area and seeing what's going on. But if you want to have a really successful business, I think you want to be looking broader and the UN Sustainable Development Goals are a really good sort of place to start. They really outline where the world's heading and if you can attach yourself to those, like for the right reasons, attach yourself to those, mm. it's um, you're probably going to be pretty well out of it. Yeah. Uh, very interesting thoughts. Thanks, boys. So let's talk a little bit about policy.
0: If you were to, to have a message for government, whether that be local, state, or Federal, Mm. what would you say? Like how how could government best support you guys to do your work or the sector more broadly?
1: Brad has something.
2: I'm not gonna say (laughs) I was gonna say get out of the way, but I've actually just had this conversation with Nick and I think that's not completely accurate. Yeah, I think government has a has actually has a a strong role. Um and especially in supporting these newer social enterprises and we've been we've been supported by the by Advanced Queensland, by Logan City Council. Um, they've been huge for us. Mm. And and I also know that working with uh, Substation 33, I think it's like the Smart Cities.
1: Yeah, so Substation 33 just got a, a fair chunk of money from the federal government Smart Cities program and have got funding from the state government as well. So without those sort of things, yeah. I mean, my opinion is that government really needs to facilitate it, but they need to know when to. They need to know when to get out of the way. Mm. And I think one of the most important things is, yeah, it's be be adaptive, but it's also recognized that you shouldn't ever be striving to catch up with innovation. So regulation should never catch up with innovation. And if it ever was to, like by definition, that would mean that innovation has stalled. Yeah. So that's not some goalposts that you want to set, but you often sort of see them wanting to keep up with it, but, Mm. but they shouldn't be trying to do so.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So inspiring projects, you boys have come across quite a few. Yeah. Tell us about a few interesting projects you've heard of recently that are really delivering on the positive social impact.
2: Yeah, I guess um, one of our favorites is the Trademark guys. Um, so they're making like these awesome fluorescent, uh, like outrageously colored workwear. Um, and basically the idea behind it is it's like a conversation starter. So people see it and they're like, wow, that's ridiculous outfit. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, what's the deal what with that? Are you doing? <laughs> Um, and tagline on the back there is, this is a conversation starter, mm. uh, which is awesome. So they've actually just they've actually just started their foundation. I guess it's all about like creating programs to help with mental health.
1: I think one of the other really exciting ones is one that has gone through greater outcomes, and it's EnviroSound. So essentially they've worked out that although we collect glass bottles, beer bottles and stuff, um, as recycling, it's not really economically viable to... To really recycle them properly, as we would think, especially now that China isn't accepting things. So, what they're doing is they're grinding them down into different levels of coarsality, that, if that's a word.
2: Yeah. <laughs> coarseness.
1: And using them in other products, like they, they put them in, mix them with asphalt, put them into roads, and that sort of thing. So, they again, one of the most interesting things is that they are able to go into landfill, unlike our batteries that we do with power wells but it's so expensive because it's so heavy that it's it makes sense to just keep them in a pile on the ground mm. currently so they're looking for a way to well they've found a way to use these big stockpiles of glass to use them into something else wow. and it's very much like you I mean reduce reuse recycle isn't in a random order it uh it really is that's your hierarchy of what you should go through mm. so um we really should reduce, reuse, but when we have to, and we have the ability to recycle, like like, those are, like they are doing it at EnviroSound.
2: I think um, one of the really cool things about the way that the trademark guys actually approach mental health is they're coming from it from like a really sort of different angle. Like they're they're really light hearted about it, which is like you know it's such a serious topic, so people are afraid to talk about it. But the way that they approach it is completely different mm. to any other social enterprise that's like dealing with that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think that's awesome for them excellent
1: so we really learned from them as power were like yeah. they're serious subjects do you just get into that kind of gloomy look how bad it is or do you celebrate the wins do you celebrate the impacts so we've consciously uh switched our sort of messaging around to like look at all the great things rather than look how bad it is before mm. we get stuff in
2: yeah so it's about the outcomes that we're achieving it's not really about like yeah so it's about extending the productive hours of the day it's about um, giving people light so they can work at night time. It's about giving people light so kids can study at night. Yep. So it's not about like, you know, it's not about like people inhaling kerosene or something like that. We're yep. trying to switch it to be more positive. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
1: I think one interesting thing that you know about, Tom, um, like what schools are doing, right? So we're just having a chat, like Ormiston College has just been doing um, with their grade eights, a social impact sort of accelerator internally all based on the UN's SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. And what was your school doing? So there's a couple of projects. One's called Jumpstart, Jumpstart Project.
0: The other one's called Fixed.
2: Oh, Fixed. I actually, yeah, I heard about them, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, cool. And uh, we've actually got a, a mobility scooter that we can donate to their program. Oh,
0: fantastic. Well, we'd more yeah. than welcome it. There's I think there's definitely a lot of, a lot of traction uh, and a lot of schools recognizing that these sorts of social entrepreneurship and human-centered design skills are really the skills that you, the students need for the future. So on that note, to wind things up, give us a couple of books. What books would
2: you recommend to our listeners? Yes, great question. Um, I think... Brad doesn't read. So yeah. <laughs> I actually listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, but yeah, Tom, Tom Allen's Impact Boom is my favorite. So a really good book that I read, um, I think I read it about five years ago, um, was a book by Peter Diamandis. Okay and it's abundance mm. um, and it's kind of about the future of technology and the ability for technology to to like fundamentally change the world for better. Um, so reading that just made me want to get into the whole tech space mm. and not having a background in, in electrical engineering or mechanical engineering, I, was, I kind of felt like that wasn't something that I could actually get into. Yeah. Um, but I mean like just since I've been working with Substation and, and like I've developed those skills and now I've started a, a company based in renewable energies and we're building 3d printers and stuff like that. So that's kind of like inspired me for the direction that I am right now. Fantastic. yeah, Excellent.
1: What about yourself, Nick? I think I might have to read that book. <laughs> but, uh, ones that I've read very recently, it's 21 lessons for the 21st century by Yuval Noah Harari. And it's basically the third book of his that I've read. Uh, and it's all about what is coming into the future. How do we prepare for it? And, like I was sort of previously saying, if you want to base your social impact startup around something, it talks about things that you could really sort of the big trends that you could be following and you should be really conscious of. Another one that I really liked, but it might be more entertaining. It is insightful in that the way it looks at sort of the, um, the way that we use data um, and basically trying to get good data sets that are truthful and not misleading. And it looks at a fair few things, including social media, which ones to do. But it's called Everybody Lies" by Seth Stevens-Davidowitz, and what it's really looking at is essentially when Google search terms, basically you can basically look at the history of people searching things, when they came out with that they said, this is good data but you wouldn't want to pay, base your PhD on it. Apparently, Seth says that he went, okay, I'm going to do my PhD with it. <laughs> <laughs> and from that, he's just found it to be what he'd call a digital truth serum. Mm. People lie to their Facebook, but when they're searching for something on Google, it's truthful. And the amount of insights you can get from that is just eye-opening. Wow. So that's a really, really entertaining and and really like an insightful book. Excellent. Well, I'll stick a couple of links to those books at the bottom
0: of the article, guys. So... Thanks so much for sharing your your experience and your insights and and your passion for social enterprise. It it comes out when I speak to you guys. That's really inspiring and we'll look forward to following your journey into the future. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. our pleasure. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.